Escape from Plan A. Hey, Escape from Plan A listeners, this is your host, Chris. That's right, Chris, uh, formerly known as Oxford. Don't worry, Oxford has not gone anywhere. <laughs> I've decided to drop the pseudonym. For various reasons, but I figure, hey, you know why? Uh, just, just you know, just be, just be me, right? Well, what have I, uh, what have I got to hide? So, uh, this is Chris, formerly known as Oxford, here with Teen. Hey, what's up, Teen? Hey, what's up? My real name is Teen, and I've called you Chris this whole time anyway, and we've had to edit it in post. So, <laughs> so I dis- just I actually have been <laughs> letting it go recently. Th- okay. That's why I've decided, you know, what what do I care at this point? Plus, I want to like take credit for my articles. Yeah, you should. Um, Funny thing is, a lot of people thought Oxford was my real name, and for them who've known me uh, all along as that name, it, it, they say some have told me it's very hard to conceive of you as Chris, which to me was the other way around. Obviously, I've been Chris ninety nine point nine percent of my life, and uh, it was always weird when people, uh, especially uh, when you meet them in real life after they reach out to you on Twitter or email. And and they call you Oxford like who, wait who are you talking to oh yeah that's me <laughs> but I've decided to drop it and so this is Chris uh, much less interesting name honestly like it was it's such a '90s name uh, Chris very um, along with like Michael and uh, what what else was popular basic ass then? Christian Christian names <laughs> yeah yeah very, very like like it's like the male equivalent of, of Jennifer Jennifer was such a '90s name. Oxford Condo sounded like you were Marie's sort of like British educated cousin or something. <laughs> hey, who says who says I'm not, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm pretty I'm in a pretty chill mood today. I don't know. We've been I I was telling you, I think we've been going pretty hard <laughs> on a couple of the last mm-hmm. few pods. Um and then I'm pr- I'm feeling pretty chill. I feel like I got a lot of shit off my uh chest, so yeah, actually, listeners, if this podcast episode sounds a bit rambling and random, that's because it is. We were supposed to do another pod today, but something happened. We have to reschedule it. Um, I won't give it away, but it was actually a pretty depressing topic. So maybe it, it's uh, the world's way of telling us to lighten up a bit for the time being. So we've got <laughs> Tina and Good me. advice. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to talk about a whole bunch of random things. Uh, maybe in the end we'll realize there was a unifying thread after all. But So this is us Sunday afternoon. I just saw with a friend a movie called uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Teen, have you heard of that movie? I have not. No, let me look it up. Uh, it's a French movie. It's It's like a lesbian love story. It's about this painter who is uh, tasked with painting the portrait of this woman who's about to get married uh i liked it it's just a lot of like staring and and terse dialogue because there's so much you know where'd you go where where did you go to see it i went to the angelica okay oh the angelica just reminds me of the days when we had movie pass and i would just pop in randomly on uh Tuesday night because I had nothing else to do yeah. and watch movies that I did not even want to watch. But, you know, those are the best types of movies to watch sometimes, right? For yep. free. Well, technical, kind of for free. But now we're back in the dark days of having to pay 20 bucks for a seat in the yeah. theater. Yeah. Oh, another good thing. Uh, my friend and I, we went to have coffee afterwards. 
The waitress complimented me on my hair, which、uh, totally made my day. <laughs> that's that's cool. I haven't, I haven't, I've only received、uh, when anyone does comment. It's it's usually friends or family telling me that I need to get do something about this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.、Right, uh, so, uh, how, how have you been spending your Sunday? Uh, just cleaning. Uh, watching some TV. Really, really not much. Just chilling. Um, it's too, it's too cold.、TV? It's too cold to go outside. I, I went outside for a bit to go do some shopping. And I was like, I'm going back home. It's just too cold. Today is okay. I think the last couple of days have been worse, but today was fine. I walked to and fro from、uh, the Angelica. So yeah.、Uh, you said you're watching TV. You seen anything good lately?、Uh, I was watching. I was last night. I was just chilling with、uh, my girlfriend, and so we were watching The Good Place because Yasmin had mentioned、uh, Manny Jacinto, and I was like, oh okay,、mm-hmm. I guess I'll watch it. Uh, pretty good. I I don't have much to say about it other than it's pretty funny.、Uh, liked yeah, it, liked it more than I thought I would because I haven't. I don't really watch much TV.、Uh, and I was like, oh, it's the sitcom format. It's Ted, you know, whatever. And then I was watching. It, I was like, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's it's cool. Yeah, I've seen about five episodes. I don't dislike it. I I would say I, I'm mildly amused by it.、Um, it's good background. It's good background watching. Yeah, I I just love Ted Danson from Bored to Death, which was this very little seen HBO show. It ran for about I think two and a half or maybe three seasons, and Ted Danson's in it. Um, he's incredibly funny in that. He's like pretty good in this too, but I think because it is network TV, they have to soften the edges everywhere. He looks good, dude. He's seventy freaking two years old. Yeah,、uh, you know who、yeah. who admittedly looks good for his age. Michael Bloomberg. I did not know he was Bernie Sanders' age. He's seventy eight. Bloomberg. He's yeah.、Uh, he must have some like freaky deaky like like skincare from, uh, you know the 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 cells of I don't know、uh, narwhal whales or some other、gross. beautiful endangered species because gross. He, I have to admit, um, or maybe he just gets a lot of makeup when he's on TV. But I I was very surprised to hear that he is seventy eight. Um, he he looks seventy. Yeah, he. I think people in general just look a little younger these days, especially when they're rich. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that that is very true.、Yeah. Especially if they're on TV all the time, there,、yeah. there's all sorts of makeup on them、yeah. and such. Yeah.、Uh, but he, but you said you wanted to talk more about Parasite. I mean, you、oh. and Yasmin had a discussion about it in the bonus pod. But for our listeners who aren't patrons of our Patreon, which you should be, I don't know why you're not. Go to www.patreon.com/planamag. But for those who haven't heard it,、uh, I think we can. We, you can never talk too much about Parasite. I think right now. Yeah, I mean, I thought there's a lot of hype around that movie right now.、Um, it's a really. I mean, I, I really liked the movie. I thought it was great, but it, like, do you, I, what I'm wondering is like, you know how they're like doing a remake of it, and it's going to be like an HBO series. You know? Oh yeah, I heard about that. It's、yeah. starring、uh, who's who's that guy? That the guy who plays Hulk, right?、Um, Mark what's, Ruffalo. What's that, what's that dude?、Oh, yeah, is, is, isn't it starring him? Probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. who cares?、Um, yeah, yeah. Who really gives a shit? But like, I don't know. It just ma- it just made me feel like、um, that wasn't Bong Joon Ho the one? You know, he was the, he's been going on this thing about how how you know Americans should overcome the one inch barrier and like read some fucking.、Uh, Subtitles, and then I saw some video on Twitter of this、uh, American woman who was trying to watch it at home, and like literally within the first two minutes, she p- 
press, presses stop and then it goes on this whole thing about how she can't she just can't do it it's too it's too stressful <laughs> and she's like i'm trying to watch a movie not read a book and do you think this has anything to do with the fact that a lot of people don't read what if they can't read the subtitles fast enough that could i'm could, thinking maybe it, that's a problem for some people it's it, that's a big problem man because <laughs> because if you're at least a decent reader all you have to do is like glance downward for like a split second you get the gist of it and you can just look right back up at the scene obviously you're probably gonna miss a few things um uh if you like knew the language uh you know you wouldn't have to even use that split second so there might be a few things you miss here and there in terms of little details composition that stuff but i doubt these people are 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 you know worried about missing that kind of stuff uh what if, what if they're just kind of like semi-illiterate I think I think it's also, and I was watching. Like I said, I haven't watched TV in a while, and there's just this sort of like network sitcom style that it's like an aesthetic that has overtaken entertainment, and it's just like I first started noticing this um, with. Have you did you ever watch that show Modern Family? Hell no! Okay. I, I was surprised it's still on, right? I have no idea. Um, I think it's still on, but I've seen oh, it. I, I could not even just stand the idea of that show. Modern Family, it's pretty bad. bad. Um, but it is like funny in a way, in the sense that like it's done. It's just like this super rapid fire uh, jokes. Like almost every line is a joke, and everything yeah. is. I know what you you're know. talking about. Yeah, and like even even back in the day, like when a show like Friends was really popular, even then it wasn't quite as jam packed. I mean, it was pretty bad, but like it, it's gotten even more jam packed. And like, um, I would say good places like that too. Like every single moment is some kind of gag, you know, and it's always yeah. some, you know, someone is being stupid or someone is, it's, it's always like some kind of, na it's like slightly nasty kind of gag too. And mm -hmm. it just, it's incredibly easy to digest. I don't know. It just, mm -hmm. it's just hitting you like pure sugar. And I think maybe we have just gotten too used to that aesthetic and we can't break out of it. It's it's just really 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 tight and so i can see like how um was it trevor and yasmin were talking about like there are certain like works like there's certain works of art like say slave play or or whatever and i think parasite to some extent too where there you know and i think this was true of a lot of like prestige television for example like mad men um mad men was i thought a great show but it was it took a little bit more time to watch it like it was really it was a rather slow show and pretty subtle and it turns out like although it was like widely celebrated in the culture i remember even like banana republic had a mad men line of suits <laughs> like it got to that retail level of popularity that its uh, ratings for its entire life was like pretty shit and yeah it was yeah that's definitely true and i remember i was in college at the time it, it was really peak popularity every one of my male friends started drinking old fashions yeah uh actually not every i'm thinking one dude in particular but it, it went from everybody drinking you know gin and tonics that was you know your standard cocktail you'd order at any bar every like this dude started drinking old fashions all the time i would start uh, seeing so like groups of dudes in manhattan show up hanging out together and they were all wearing you know gray flannel suit with a black tie you know that mm -hmm. the standard don draper look and it was it had this massive effect on culture, but it was not a popular show. Like people couldn't actually watch the show itself. 
And, uh, you know, with Parasite, I think there's probably something similar going on. I don't know what the numbers are. I haven't looked it up. But I, I don't think many people have actually watched this movie. And I don't think many more people are going to. Um, I, I, I gather a lot of people might try to fire it up on streaming and then make it about 10 minutes in and give up. But I don't think we have the digestion for a lot of stuff anymore. Though we rely on the media elites to sort of digest it for us. So they, they'll like pre-chew it a little bit and then spit it into our mouths or they'll do a remake. And I'm, I'm guessing the remake is going to be a lot more watchable in the American sense than the movie. And so here's what a remake's going to fail miserably because so much of Parasite's impact is that you didn't know what the movie was about, but then you remake it. The people are going to go see it. There's, there's no buddy well, there might be a few. Maybe the people who refuse to watch subtitles. But who is like so interested in a Parasite remake yet did not watch the original or was like opposed to watching the original that they would go and watch this remake and be floored in the same way that people were uh, collectively floored when watching the original. So I, I don't know what this is for. They're, I think they're just this is just like Hollywood uh, running out of ideas yet again and just trying to uh, you know recapture this foreign lightning uh, that they're that they're unable to create uh on on their domestic front but um i know parasite is having this wider release so hopefully more more people will see it now that it's got that best picture uh you know medal on it so there's that what was your what was your take because i know like you were saying that when we were hanging out in boston you were like when we found out it won you were kind of like uh-oh what what was your mis what was your um hesitance about uh, about parasite winning best picture funny you should ask that i'm actually writing an article about it uh which will get published in the next day or so so i'll just give a very quick like thesis of it i mainly had two objections one i become an oscars accelerationist i wanted to burn to the ground or at least become as irrelevant as say like the the emmys or the grammys that level and i did not want it to leech off the 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 success and um, accomplishments of Parasite. Hey, isn't that kind of ironic? Uh, uh, a Parasite le- leeching off a Parasite, <laughs> but like the movie Parasite is going to be one of the all-time greats, whether or not it won Best Picture. Uh, the Oscars, on the other hand, desperately needs to be more relevant, more cool, especially after what happened last year with Green Book. So um, I I did not want it to to ride Parasite's coattails. The uh, second reason is I didn't want to really see a bunch of Asian Americans uh, become, show just like the Academy and, and, and the rest of America just how much we wanted validation from some panel of elite unseen judges behind a curtain uh, who whose whims we are acknowledging mean so much to us. I did not really want to see that. So those are my two main objections to it. Um... Obviously, I also see the the positives of it winning, so I, I wasn't just like fully negative on it. But anyway, if you people want to find out more, go read my article, which will be dropping in a day or two. Yeah, that's a pretty fair position. I mean, I I, I just don't think winning an Oscar is really that big a deal. I mean, just look at the winners, you know. Um, yeah, I, like, do you know who won? Say two years ago. Um, was it when they accidentally said that? Was it the fuck up where they accidentally said uh, that was La La Land one? That was two thousand seventeen because I was oh, right that was for the three Trump election. So okay. two thousand and 
eight. Oh, wait, wait, don't oh, tell it was me. Shape of Water. It was Shape of Water. Oh, Shape of Water. <laughs> I, had to, yeah. I had to really think about that as well. And, and I'm the type of person who, you know, kind of keeps up to date with movies. So That, that movie, like, it, it, it's these movies, like, I don't want to say that movie sucked, but I, I will say it sucked. Like, right at, like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, that was pretty good. And then when it won Best Picture, I was like, oh, that movie sucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it changes your expectations, right? It totally changes your expectations. I actually liked Green Book as just like a trash watch. You know, like if you just watch it <laughs> for without any expectations of it, you know, it's a watchable movie. And what's his name? Uh, Vigo and, and Mahash. I always don't know how to say his name. Maharshala. Maharshala. Um, yeah. They have the good chemistry. Yeah. yeah, they have good chemistry. It's a kind of like throwback movie. But once you're like, oh, yeah, this was best picture, I'm like, god damn, that, well, that was trash. <laughs> what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of trash watch, uh, so Philip, I'll give credit to Philip because he tweeted this. I think yesterday I saw it. Uh, so in the last few days, the sequel to uh, you know our favorite movie, To All the Boys I Love Before, it came out. Apparently in that movie, they featured a song by Blackpink, but they edited it so that uh, none of the Korean lyrics were there. So I think they just repeated the the kind of hook in the English hook in the song and they cut it up really awkwardly so that it was clear that the song was just uh, jumbled in a really incoherent way. So it's a perfect fit. It was, and I just, this is why (laughs) it like, I kind of adore the fact that this exists because it's just time and time again, they fuck it up in the exact way you would uh, expect the kind of like this insecure Asian American cultural product to fuck up. It's so perfect on the beat every single time. And I thought it was such a great um, comparison. Like, here's this Asian-American thing that, that's that's like trying to hide its, the Korean language. Yet, uh, you know, at the same time, you have Parasite winning, you know, fully Korean subtitle movie. I think it just shows how behind the times uh, that is. So, uh, like, this, uh, you know, this movie, I, you know, I am uh, have in, almost infinite reserves for hate watching. But this one, I can't even hate. I don't even care at this point. So, I, uh, you know, so, Philip, thanks for bringing it to my attention. Uh, but I just, you know, it's, it's so funny, you know, the, the way they, they're so reliably fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, uh, take a Korean song and then remove all the Korean lyrics is basically to all the boys I love. <laughs> it's, it's a perfect, it's a perfect yeah. match. Yeah, I, that tweet uh, that Philip retweeted got a lot of likes. I I, I bet they were all very angry uh, K-pop fans. Uh, I forgot what the Blackpink uh, fan club is called. Because, um, you know, BTS has ARMY. Uh, I remember like 21 had, had, I think they call themselves the Blackjacks. I don't know what Blackpink's fan club is. Blackpink is um, an all-women's group, right? Yeah, it's YG's. Uh, all women's because they're, they're kind of like the successor to 21 21 was this this girl group also from yg 21 was so much better though i like like blackpink's kind of weird in that they're really popular but they don't even have like a full album's worth of songs out and yeah it's it's kind of like yeah anyway uh we're not here <laughs> to talk about k-pop but uh yeah there is that um what else Oh, speaking of box Paris and box office, right now there's this really funny uh, proxy war going on between Sonic fans and Birds of Prey fans. Because what's Birds what's of Birds of Prey? So it's the Harley Quinn movie. Exactly. That's that's oh. the whole thing. Uh, oh, okay. It's this movie that was about Harley Quinn. Uh, it, it's it's a kind of it's not a sequel to Suicide Squad. Have you seen Suicide Squad? Yeah, yeah. I've, oh, I've God, watched. I, I think I've watched about two thirds and then gave up. 
Oh yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm not even gonna bother with that. I mean, I hate comic book movies in general, but that mm-hmm. one is just like not even worth talking about. But it came out a couple of weeks ago. It, it it disappointed a lot at the box office. Then it set off this. You know, whenever these all women's movies come out, you you get the you you drag the dregs of the internet, right? You oh yeah, the, like the like angry, when Ghostbusters came out. Yeah, you got the all the angry guys just like you know gleefully wanting the movie to they're fail. Still, they're still doing that, huh? I yeah, there's been, every fucking time. Aren't they tired of this shit? <laughs> okay. And anyway. then anyway, the the movie didn't do well at the box office. So um, I don't think people even really notice. I think this is just really limited to some weird corner of of like movie Reddit where there's a mix of comic book nerds, the kind of like social justice types. It, it's it's like most people don't really care, but it became a little war. Then then Sonic the movie opened this this past weekend. So there was like a very small mini war going on between the two fan groups because apparently uh, these Birds of Prey fan oh, were trying to badmouth the Sonic movie, uh, and and this, it's so ridiculous. Like, who? What is? This? Like, what are you? Ten years old? It's like taking the Harley Quinn action figure and the Sonic action figure and 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 doing like a boys have cooties, no girls have cooties battle fight. It's so stupid. Yeah, that I just I'm not following any of how any of that makes sense whatsoever. Uh, yeah. That just that's just terrible, and I feel sorry for everyone associated with that because that's no that's no way to live. Yeah, here's here's one thought I had though, because a lot of these uh, kind of like alt righty types always say you see uh, you know they point to like Ghostbusters, they point to um, apparently like this recent movie Terminator Dark Fate. Had a similar marketing campaign. It was like, oh, you know, we, we uh, woman protagonist, uh, things like that. Um, Charlie's Angel, that totally unnecessary remake. I mean, the original, like, not the not the original. Well, the original remake back in the two thousands was also highly unnecessary because who under the age of seventy even cares about Charlie's Angels, right? It's just such a weird property to to hold on it's to. just it's just ip you know it's just remining old ip like they're just going back but into it's not their... even popular it's among anybody... yeah but they but the thing is they have the rights like the, the legal yeah. the, the, there's just like less legal hurdle to get it done and they're like oh well we own it let's just do it you know <laughs> yeah anyway back to my thought uh but I, I think the reason these movies keep failing is that the fact that they have to lean so hard on the uh, you know the girl power theme I think it's a sign that they don't have faith in the movie itself. So if you look at, say, Hustlers, which just oh, came out a few months yeah. ago, mm-hmm. uh, was a big success. It pretty much had the same theme as, say, something like Birds of Prey, which you had these group of female friends and they were going to strike back at the patriarchy and just kind of like do these crimes against men. But everyone loved Hustlers. It made a lot of money. And I think it was because they didn't have to lean too hard on that because the message speaks for itself. Uh, and once uh, uh, any like film company starts marketing it too much into that kind of guilt trippy way, where like, yeah, yeah, you, right, that's a sign that's that when they you don't know. Really have faith in the movie. Yeah. That's when you and, know that you at, they watched it and they're like, yeah, we we need to give them a better reason to watch this movie <laughs> than yeah. the movie itself. Because if yeah. you look at say uh, Mad Max Fury Road, like dude bros love that movie. Like you go to like YouTube comments of any uh, Mad Max Fury Road clip, and they worship that movie. And that movie totally, in, in like in, in the stereotypical alt-righty guy's mind, that movie totally emasculated Mad Max in favor of Furiosa, who was yeah. the real badass in that movie. 
But these, like, everybody loves that movie. So I, I think it's these movies aren't failing because, uh, you know, they're female-led. They're failing because they're, like, not very good. And once the advertising campaign starts trying to, like, like browbeat you morally into seeing it, that just turns everybody off, including women. I, like, women don't I, I think it might either. actually be hurting the whole concept of a oh, for woman-led sure. movie. Because I heard... Um, there was one I I didn't I I didn't watch it. Um, I, I don't really watch that many movies, uh, but it was one where you know what's her name? The black actress. She was she was actually in Suicide Squad. Uh, she played like the CIA agent in Suicide Squad. Um, uh, let me look it up. Her no, I'll keep talking. I'll look it up. So it's like some it's like some movie I think where it's about like the wives of like thieves or spies that like take over their 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 mission or something like that. Oh, oh Viola Widows, Davis. Right? Oh Viola Davis, yeah. Yeah. So she was in this movie called Fuck If I Know. Um I'll look it up. It, it's pretty recent. You mean Widows? Yeah, yeah Widows. widows. Right? Yeah. And I heard I think I heard that it wasn't a bad movie, but it just did shit because I think they tried to market it in the same way where they it was kind of like a girl power movie along the lines of like Oceans eight or whatever uh but i heard it was actually a pretty good movie but it yeah i, I remember it probably was overlooked reviews. because it it got it got stuffed into oh another one of these you know so it might actually be backfiring on them i suspect yeah I don't know. yeah it's it's like people don't want to be um like like chastised into watching something it, it, you go to the movies ultimately for entertainment so that's just who's actually just gonna to who's actually i mean i think like the 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 justification for it to me because it's so patronizing and pandering like some of this stuff like i don't know i'm sure oceans 8 is like that that i don't oceans even Oceans 8 did okay though but yeah I don't yeah know. but I, I mean i think like who actually is going to enjoy that because i think like I'm I'm not sure grown women are gonna watch that and come away feeling like all that pandering was empowering. Uh, like I feel like it's justified on that basis of saying like, oh, I didn't have strong feminine role models in in movies and stuff growing up, and so we want to build that up. Uh, which I can see. I think that's a valid thing. But like, when you see the out like the worst examples of this output, it it. It's kind of like when they do it for Asian Americans. It's kind of like a fresh off the boat kind of thing where it's like, I'm like, I yeah. feel like you're pandering to me. I don't, you're like, I'm not, this is, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how a lot of women, but on the other hand, maybe, maybe it's like that because I, I don't feel the, in a way, like I don't feel compelled to go out and speak out against stuff like fresh off the boat. I'm just like, well, you know, they tried. I'm not going to like go out of my way to be like, Oh yeah, this particular crappy sitcom is really shit because it's full of Asian people and whatever. Um, so I I don't feel particularly obligated to say anything negative about it. But on the other hand, I'm definitely not compelled to watch it just because I'm Asian because it's just not good. Mm. I don't like I don't know what else to say. It's just not very good. And I think it's being canceled, right? So, well, it has. Yeah, I think it was canceled sometime last year maybe like half a year ago yeah it's been on for like five-ish seasons not bad so, you know, mo- yeah. not bad at all like most sitcoms i think probably run out of steam after like four seasons so for it to have hung out hung around for that long um i think it was probably ultimately a nut good but again i i watched i think two seasons or maybe just one season 
But it was, as I said, I've always said, I'd really, really rather see a much more faithful adaptation of Fresh Off the Boat, the book, which is much more interesting than the sitcom we got. Yeah, the, the book was pretty good. Um, yeah. The book the book kind of like, the Manny Jacinto in, um, he plays this, he plays like this guy who is, um, so the good place, right? It's like the, the yeah. setup for the show, uh, for the benefit of the viewers, because I know what you, you know what the setup is, but they're in this sort of like weird constructed afterlife, which is uh, equivalent to heaven. And it's like, it's like Harvard. It like takes, it takes a lot to get in there, but a few people snuck in by, by clerical error. And, uh, Manny Sinto's like in there by clerical error. It's old enough. I don't give a shit about spoilers. And it comes up. So it's the main character, right? Played by, uh, Kristen Bell. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're, they're, um, they shouldn't actually be there. And so they, 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 he, what he, it should have been this, uh, Taiwanese Buddhist monk that, doesn't speak or something like that. And what Manny Sinto really is, is like this is he's a Florida man. He's an Asian Florida man. Uh, he's a professional amateur DJ and all this stuff. And that was um, kind of what Eddie's book was about. It was like, he's a Florida man. You know, he grew up in trashy Florida and uh, Yasmin was talking about it, which is why I, I started watching it the other night. And I do like, yeah, I do like the, um, you know, one movie that gets like really forgotten, and like when we talk about Asian American movies, people always forget to mention Harold and Kumar. I've noticed, like when they talk about the great Asian American movies, they never talk about that one. I don't know why, and it was one of the I most successful. Only fr- they made four of them, the, right, or three of them. Yeah, the only way reason I can see for that justification was that it was actually like written and directed by uh, a bunch of white dudes. So, um, so, so remember when LA yeah. Times came up with that list uh, last year of like the 20 best Asian American films? I think they all had to have had an Asian director. Um, but yeah, for but you know, mo- nobody remembers who directed Harold and Kumar, they just remember John Cho's face and Cal Penn's face. So, in most people's minds, it is an Asian American movie. Yeah, you had two Asian American leads, and for the first, and it solved a lot of problems in the sense that. Like a lot of times we say Asian American representational media is not inclusive because Asians are so diverse. And I'm like, well, you had like an Indian dude and a Korean dude co-leading it. Uh, uh-huh. That's better than most. And it was like super popular. Like people did. It wasn't the Asian movie. It was like the stoner comedy of the summer. That's how it was treated. I don't think people thought of it as like, oh, it's that weird Asian movie. Let's go check it out and see what those guys are about. It was like. Right. Oh, it's it's a stoner comedy, uh, and every and it was like hugely popular, and it, it, popular enough. I think they made at least two sequels. I think at least one of them also did pretty well. They uh, made Harold and Kumar go to Guantanamo Bay, and I think they made a Christmas one, which was I don't know if it was uh, directly the, the third in a trilogy, but there was definitely a Christmas themed movie. Yeah, which means that it was must have to, to make three. It must have been doing like American Pie numbers or whatever those teen teen stoner uh comedies were that they were doing back then and uh-huh. it's it was such a it, i don't know i still think of that movie as being probably like one of the most successful asian american films and it had to do and a lot of it had to do with asian american issues right like 
it it did talk about you know John Cho being you know model minority dude and remember like he was working at some investment bank and the white bros uh, always like made him do their work while they took credit for it and then <clears throat> Kumar his father his parents were I think his parent his whole entire family was doctors and he he was like I don't want to be a doctor. And then there was even scenes where John Cho went to the Asian American Student Union at like Princeton oh, yeah. or whatever, and like it, it was a very, very like representational movie in that sense. But man, has it been forgotten? Really strange. I th- just off the I landscape. I think it's like I, I think like white. I I I don't. I definitely don't think it's forgotten. It, like whenever you see like an Asian dude or an Indian dude ever like standing together. Instantly, just like when there's an Asian dude and a black dude, the rush hour jokes come out instantly. Uh, oh, Harold and Kumar. Like, oh, like yeah, a, like no. a yellow guy and a brown guy, Harold and Kumar jokes come oh, out. Oh, I mean, it's been forgotten anytime we have Asian American discourse about media representation. Yeah, you know, for whatever for reason. reason it just maybe, maybe the stonerness is not, not respectable enough for for these for these people. I suspect uh, that's what it is. It's a little too bro-y for people to, to have really, you know... I, there's just something about it that just didn't seem serious enough or or groundbreaking enough because it, it it really was just another stoner comedy. Yeah, um, but look, like like Harold and Kumar addressed like police uh, brutality like back in like 2002 or 2004 when it came out. Remember when uh when uh that that cop stops uh a Kumar yeah. and then Harold accidentally punches the cop. So, you know, for such an unserious movie, it actually addressed a lot of topics like, uh, you know, that workplace discrimination, like gender relations in, in Asian America, uh, you know, like police profiling of like dark skinned people. So, yeah, superficially, it was about a bunch of two dudes who wanted to get stoned, but it actually addressed a lot of it. It even talked about topics. how Harold was a little self-hating and he didn't want to date that Asian girl. Yeah, yeah, he like you know what I mean. Like, the yeah. movie had a lot of elements to it. I think it was one of the best Asian American self- movies, and it's um, it's weird how when Asian people get together and talk about it, um, it's it's all. And then remember how like Cal Penn became like rather a big star, and like I think Obama hired him to be, it, like when Obama won, yeah, he hired weird. Cal Penn to be like. Yeah. yeah, I I like. I wonder if that kind of derailed his career because he was make he was a, the star of the namesake. He was the go-to Indian guy for a while. Um, I wonder if his like weird White House excursion kind of hit him off. Because like, like John Cho has his career has hit a peak, uh, well into I, I don't know how old he is, probably like mid forties. Um, but does he yeah, have anything up. coming up? Because he he was he had a hot hand about a year ago or two years ago. Like oh, super. John Cho. Yeah. He was cast as Spike in the uh, Cowboy Bebop Netflix thing. Uh. But then he like injured himself pretty seriously and oh, they've had to delay shooting. That that's what I've heard. Oh. That sucks. Uh so but yeah, yeah, uh I think he's he's doing fine, I think. Okay. Um Yeah. All okay. Right. So yeah. Oh. So 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 right, don't I, don't forget Harold Kumar, folks. It's a it's a great movie. Don't <laughs> let don't don't let it drip out of the pantheon. Mm-hmm. All right, we've talked about movies for a while. I want to ask you a question, uh, politi- politics related. You lived through the Bloomberg era in New York, right? Uh, yes. Though I forgot exactly when that was. Let me let me look it up. When was he? Well, it would have been after nine eleven. That was Giuliani, right? And yeah. there was nobody between Bloomberg and De Blasio, right? And Bloomberg was mayor three terms. 
Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Even yeah. though I heard there's a two-term limit, I'm not too familiar with New York municipal uh, laws. Okay, so he, he was, yeah, he was January 1st, 2002 is when he became mayor. Oh, uh, really? He so won right two, after 9 And then he won, okay. he won uh, two more terms, uh, 2005 and 2009. So he was mayor for a good 12 years. I moved up to New York... Uh, probably nine months after he became mayor. So I've, I pretty much have only ever knew, known a Bloomberg, New York, uh, until, of course, de Blasio. I see. So what, what was that like? Cause it was like sex in the city, man. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like, I, you know, that's another thing that I was thinking about was just how, like, the, na- the culture of New York City is was so heavily that's another thing that people don't like to talk about anymore because I think it's become a little bit embarrassing is how influential Carrie Bradshaw was I mean it was everywhere I mean it was unbelievable you can go go on Google Maps and there are certain landmarks that are listed there even if you don't look for it you know Empire State Building Statue of Liberty Rockefeller Center and oh, yeah. Carrie Bradshaw's apartment is wherever. I think it's somewhere in the West Village. It's yeah. on, in the Western side. Pretty of big draw. You'll probably see there. people there. If, anytime you go, you'll probably see a few people at least. You know, taking pictures yeah. of it and stuff. I also uh, remember reading this article. I think it was in the Cut. This was several years ago, but it was asking young women of New York, so like you know, twenty-something women, and this was in like the mid two thousand, the mid twenty tens. What are some of your uh, the dumbest ways you spend money. A lot of them were like, I, I go out for drinks with with friends or brunches uh, that I that we really could have just done over the phone or or in our apartments. But I just feel the need I have to do this. And they all cited Sex in the City, which actually predated them because they would have been uh, probably uh, teenagers, early teenagers when the show came out. Uh, Sex in the City was aimed at you know like thirty probably and above, right? Maybe late twenties and above women. <clears throat> And, and just yeah. reading something like that, at least for the cut demographic, uh, just showed yeah how influential that goddamn TV show was. Yeah, and like it, there was a whole political sensibility that came with it. Um, I mean, to the extent that your question is aimed at polit- political life under Bloomberg. Um, did you see that ad where Bloomberg was eating from Big Gay Ice Cream? You know that ice cream shop in the, uh, I think it's in the East Village. Maybe it's in a Yeah, there's one places. like three blocks from me. Yeah. Um, and he touts himself as the the LGBTQ plus uh, uh, candidate. And uh, which is weird because there's another actually gay candidate. There's an actual gay candidate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as like bad as he is on probably a lot of social policies relatively speaking to the more lefty candidates you know he is actually gay <laughs> yeah right but so but somehow bloomberg is the lgbtq plus candidate and i would say that and this is this is evident in sex in the city as well it had a way this is a tricky topic because um i think it's intended to be tricky but it really really centered the gay rights struggle um as part of like political identity and there, there was a lot to Sex in the City that was about that. Like the number of gay characters in that, in that, ser- in that, ser- that whole franchise, and the, how much it dealt with uh, gay men in particular. And I think in New York, it just it really became for a time. And the, the sort of the air has kind of gone out, gone out from it 
a bit, I think, because other things have come to the fore. I think Trump has made other issues. I think race has become a lot more big of an issue. Uh, and also because there was a victory. There was a clear, you know, judicial victory um, legalizing gay marriage. So, but I think during the Bloomberg years, and I think this is why he had that thing with the big gay ice cream thing and, and touting himself as the LGBTQ. I think he's still stuck at a very, what I would say, completely outdated political sensibility that reigned in that pre-Trump Obama era. And also, I guess also sort of like a, a weak liberal resistance to Bush um, that it was really centered around gay rights as sort of like the next successor to the civil rights. So we had civil rights in the 60s, and now we have gay rights in the 2000s. And they really pushed this notion that we were in a new era where we were totally breaking down, you know, all remaining barriers to equal society. Uh, and there was good to that. There was obviously a lot of good to that. Um, but I think it, it really defined that era. It was a sex in the city kind of political sensibility. Very elitist, um, but also very concerned with gay rights above all else. Plus, the, by gay rights, they meant some basically meant gay marriage, which was the dividing line. I think among that people, whether you were radical or not, was which, like, were you someone like Barack Obama, who was rumored to privately support it, but didn't publicly come out to support it until it was relatively safe? I, th- I think even, like... Um, Dick Cheney came up before Barack Obama in favor of gay marriage, right? Yeah, because his daughter is gay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, and when it came to gay rights, it was that very... They, they were essentially thinking of their wealthy white gay friends who pretty much had everything except for, like, a state recognition of, of their relationship. Yeah. So that that's what they also meant by gay rights. Oh, another reason to hate Sex and the City. One of the main writers and directors was a guy named Michael Patrick King... Uh, who's who's I think a very well-known gay TV guy. He uh, created Two Broke Girls on CBS, which had the Han Lee character played by Matthew Moy. Yeah, one of the biggest racist uh, stereotypes and caricatures in in recent entertainment history. So really bad. another reason to say fuck uh, Sex in the City, and it's very <laughs> just a very narrow-minded sense of uh, I guess social progress. So yeah. fuck that show. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we first started Plan A, like, I think we were, I think what motivated us looking back was the recognition that the Sex in the City era was falling apart with Trump. Like, they couldn't, like, there was something fundamentally, some something that had happened. And I think when you bring up Bloomberg, I think he is really like, you know, and Clinton, Hillary Clinton to some extent. It, it really is that era still trying to remain relevant, you know? And I feel like, I don't know how you feel about New York City these days. Um, I've, I, I feel like New York City, at least that image of it, that sort of glamorous, philanthropic, um, sort of like ultra progressive, especially on issues of gender and, and sexuality, like that that era has kind of, past but it's still trying to really remain relevant and it just i feel like there's a staleness to new york city these days I, yeah, I because if you with that type of new york culture the epicenter of that would have been what like the west village that's a very like west village sensibility right mm-hmm. uh you know nice apartments uh you know that gay gay marriage centric concept of gay rights 
But these days, like, where is the the cultural epicenter of New York? You probably have to go out to Brooklyn, maybe even Queens. But it's definitely shifted away from Manhattan. So to see something like that, where uh, the the happening spot is is a wealthy parts of Manhattan, it does it feels very old. I you know you know what's interesting? Uh, if you go to Bernie Sanders' Twitter. Uh, yeah. the banner is actually uh, the rally that he had in Long Island City. So it's in Queens. Is that where he was endorsed by a- AOC? And, I believe and so, yeah. It was a oh, pretty yeah, big yeah. rally. Uh, uh-huh. And it was really, and it's it's a very kind of symbolic. Uh, right, pick. right. It's symbolic in the sense that um, Amazon HQ2 was supposed to go there in, in Long Island City. And uh, like, look, I just had this realization. Um and, and I, th- I think this is all in the back of our heads, but uh, I mean, at least for me, I just put it together. You know how we talked about, uh, we've talked about, you know, it, it's going to be, it's kind of funny because if it's Trump and Bernie, it's going to be a, a war between two New Yorkers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then, but then you add in like Bloomberg slash Hillary. It's actually like a oh, three way yeah. war between three factions uh, within New York City, right? That's true. Or, or, yeah. yeah. You've got, you got Bernie Sanders, who's kind of like old Brooklyn, you know, old kind of working class Jewish Brooklyn, and and the new Brooklyn, I mean, uh, and slash Queens, uh, more you know Asian, brown, black, etc. Then you got Trump, who's <laughs> this hilarious throwback to the '80s <laughs> Manhattan, yeah. uh, that that culture where he's. Oh, if, if anybody wants to laugh, go go to Twitter and look up all of Trump's tweets about Graydon Carter. They're the funniest things you will ever see he is obsessed with this man that nobody outside of probably 100 people in new york city care about but he's so consumed uh with this guy even if you even back in like 2012 when nobody was following trump and his tweets would only get like 40 likes <laughs> he, was still, he was still tweeting about how uh Graydon carter and his bad food restaurants was bringing down vanity fair and nobody liked him because <laughs> he was Graydon carter is like i guess some kind of like socialite kind of guy is that he, he ran he, was like he a, ran a whole bunch he ran a whole bunch of magazines he was the one who called trump a short-fingered vulgarian and i think they had uh oh, essentially okay. Uh, like like a Mean Girls type of spat <laughs> starting in the 80s. <laughs> so it's really funny. Uh, yeah. People really need to go look at that. Uh, so that's Trump. And then you got the... Uh, you saw that New York Post headline, which I know must have been them just trolling people, but apparently Bloomberg's considering Hillary as a vice president. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> someone someone told me so on Twitter funny. that they think it, it was an uh, intentional leak just to see what the reactions to it would be. But I'm like, do, you, do they really need a leak to find out what people's reaction? Yeah, would be? because think, they, they're that diluted. Yes, <laughs> they're that. Diluted. Uh, I, I think because New York Post is right leaning, right? I think it's them just trying to cause more civil wars among Democrats and, and liberals and progressives. Because yeah. there's like, OK, there's no way Bloomberg is that stupid. Like he... You can call him a lot of bad things, but you really can't call him stupid. So I think he has pretty Hillary. bad political instincts, though, and I think Hillary does too. I think I really do think that these people are are quite out of touch, and I and that's why I bring up sex, you know, the the Sex in the City era. You know, it it really it still believes in a cultural order where Manhattan socialites are like on top, and everyone, you know, like. 
the thing about Sex in the City was just it really was able to capture the national attention and culture in a way that really placed Manhattan socialites up top. Like that was the height of sophistication. That was the height of, I mean, every single person in America knew what Manola Blahniks were was because of that, right? Like who owned Manolas? Mm-hmm. Like nobody. But everyone knew what it was. And, yeah. you know, and then Devil Wears Prada is like another example of this. It's sort of like taking the sort of fashion institutions of New York and the media institutions of New York and glamming it all up with the philanthropical apparatus all around that. And it just wasn't questioned. And I don't think the, and Clinton foundation was at the heart of this stuff too. And I don't think that they're really able to accept that like people have moved on. I just, I don't, they still, they'll go to their graves believing that that was the proper order for the world. And that without it, like, we just don't have anything worth holding on to. It's it's unbelievable. That's why I say, you know, Queens was always, as a Queens resident, I'll say this with a bit of defensiveness. I do think Queens was always looked upon, which is interesting because Trump is from Queens. uh, It was always looked upon as sort of like the, you know, kind of like where the working class people go. It's an RG, it's like RG Bunker, right? Like, you know, it's kind of like where... That's where you go if you're not really part of New York. And they've brought this up with Trump, saying that it was always his queen's sort of outsiderness that made him like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think Queens was always seen as just just kind of hopeless. Like that's that's just kind of where you go. And maybe, you know, it's like um King of Queens. Like <laughs> like it's there's it's just totally working class. There's nothing aspirational about Queens at all. And I and I found that to be so striking just because I still think that white people think of Queens as a white area, um, the Archie Bunker type thing, and they don't quite realize like just how ultra diverse Queens is and how different it is. And I think AOC coming from Queens, and then now looking at you know a lot of the political, you know, we we hung out with Ron Kim and kind of getting for ourselves personally a glimpse of the kind of politicization that's going on in Queens. I find it interesting now that there's been a recentering of political life into Queens in a way, you know, with mm-hmm. with with AOC being kind of dually dually from like her. She's from the Bronx, but her office is here in Queens and her district is here in Queens, too, for the most part. Um, and I find that to be an interesting inversion. That's something I've noticed a lot. Yeah, I, I, I myself have been spending a lot more time in Queens lately. And to me, Queens is always... Just based on the place I go, I associate with Asians. Oh, uh, right, exactly. Because, and it wasn't always like uh, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the places I go to just seem very, are, in fact, very Asian-dominated. Yeah. But yeah I got a sure. question. In King of Queens, which part of Queens do they live in? Uh, which one? King of Queens? Yeah. I don't, I don't really know. Um, there's, like, uh, I'll scenes. look it up right now. Yeah, let's see where. I'm curious where they live, actually. Um, there's scenes like in the beginning where it looks kind of like Forest Hills, Rigo Park area. Oh, they live in Rigo Park. Oh, sure. That's, that's where I spend a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. <these days. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is, it is like that to some extent. I mean, Queens is, I, I found King of Queens, which I, it's, I actually kind of like that show. It's pretty, it's, 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 it's also good background watching. Um, I haven't seen many, uh, episodes, but I do remember some very distinct, distinctly funny, uh, bits from it so i always had good uh good um 
thoughts about that show? Have you seen? Have you seen? I have not seen any of it, but maybe I should watch it. Have you seen um, Nora from Queens? No, I do want to eventually get started, but it's it's on Comedy Central. Is it a streaming anywhere, or do you have to buy some? Uh, like Comedy Central has its own streaming. Uh, if if so, I'm not gonna bother. But or I guess I could just pirate it. But yeah, just pirate it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean that Aquafina is another. Sure, she um is a good example, I think, of how like there's been a there's kind of like you know how most Asian American things like come out of L.A. Uh, uh-huh. you know, and I think it's been interesting how like Asian American rep has been sort of decentered from Southern California to an extent. And like, for example, there's been like, like fresh off the boat was in Florida. It was in Orlando. Right. And, uh, th- and this, this is in Queens, this one's set in Queens and Aquafina generally like always associates herself with Queens. And I think the farewell, uh, they were from Queens. The, the family was from Queens. Um, so I, I just find it interesting also like with Asian Americans having that the center, the nexus of it has seemed to like moved a little bit away from LA to some extent, which I find interesting because it used to yeah. always just be LA, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for a while, I think it was a seven line. They had Aquafina read out the the subway stops oh yeah i didn't you know what i should have taken the seven train while that was going on oh yeah no i didn't yeah i mean i heard heard her yeah Yeah. i heard some of it uh so you know i I think it was only for a week when her show first aired yeah uh i don't think it was permanent but yeah they had that i think it's i think it's fascinating how people become they become their personas like uh maybe you're fighting against that because now you're chris (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like she she uh she got a lot of heat for being this sort of like aquafina caricature who uh you know um co-ops african american vernacular and all this stuff now leaving all that aside i just thought it was interesting when this show nora from queens was announced because <clears throat> i was on the 7 train actually coming home and i saw a poster that said Aquafina is Nora from Queens. And I was like, that's so fucking weird because it's actually the opposite. It's Nora Lum, that's her real name, from Queens, who plays Aquafina. Aquafina is, you know, not obviously not her real name. But then yeah. it's become to the point where it's inverted now, where her Aquafina like persona is now the actress who plays Nora from Queens. <laughs> so I was like, right, what right. the fuck is going on she, with that? That's interesting, you know? Uh, it's just an interesting well, yeah. version. I mean, I, that's why I am going back to Chris. I don't want to uh, have this identity crisis where <laughs> my pseudonym <laughs> becomes more real than me. Right, right. And now I'm in this uh, hyper-real bifurcation <laughs> of myself blah 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 yeah yeah for sure <laughs> so your, I must your articles myself. got out there man your stuff got out there like the you know like people listening to this pod it's like you know one thing but like the article circulation on some of your articles was huge yeah uh, and i want to take credit for so, that now you know like exactly like because yeah. like when we started plan a uh you know there was a little uncertainty uh you know it's like whether it's like with employment or you know there was like su- su- certain subject matter especially the gender stuff which i didn't wasn't sure who was gonna, you know, how it was gonna be received. But at this point, I figure if anyone's gonna fire me because of 
of what I write and fuck that, you know, who cares? Let, I, let that be. And with how whatever controversy my um, my stuff arises, after like, Pliny's been around for almost three years now. Um, for every hater, there's a lover. So <laughs> I don't care anymore. Also, <clears throat> here's the thing. Like, my name is Teen Sheng. It's like, there's no one else in the world with my name. Your name is Chris Lee. Like, if anyone yeah. was to ever associate, like, you can't Google you because they're just going to get a bunch well, of hits for Saruman. <laughs> you know, like, like uh, the most no, famous but I, I, That's why I use, <laughs> but I use my middle name, though. Oh, because I do okay, want to stand okay. out. I okay. do want to stand out, you, you know? Go. As I said, right. at this point, right. I do want to take full credit uh, and heat, whatever, you know, bring it. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so That's cool. Feels good. Feels good to be out. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, any other topics going on? We've covered um, oh, today, uh-huh. I'm this, this is probably... This is just a my you know personal obsession with with soccer, but uh, Tottenham played Aston Villa today. Sonny scored two goals, including one in like the last thirty seconds of the match. So good good day for. Is he? Is he go- I thought he was like leaving Tottenham or something. No. No no um, uh. no he's his contracts you know for an- another like five years I think. Uh, I mean any any player can be transferred at any time if there's a, a team willing to pay a high enough fee. But it's like he wouldn't go to any other team in England for one. Uh and I think the only place he would probably go to is maybe Germany just because he is fluent in German and he he's familiar what? with What really? Bo- yeah, cuz oh, he I didn't know that. he he moved to Hamburg to oh. play with Hamburg SV when he was like 16. Oh. You can go on YouTube, uh, type in like Son Heung-min speaking German. He's fluent in German. Oh, I didn't People know say that. his accent's pretty good too. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that. How's his English? Uh... His English is, is, I think his German's, I think is better than his English. But oh, okay. that's also because I can tell his English is heavily accented. Oh, I see. But yeah, he, he's he's a pretty good English speaker too. All right. So he'll be he'll be in the uh, EPL for the for the near future. Like I think so because I don't think I think the only team that's a direct step up that's not in England would be in Spain and those teams like chew up players so fast like you could be someone like uh, Aiden Hazard and then you go to Real Madrid and they hate you because you don't score a hat trick from in your first game and you can be so easily replaced because they, they have like infinite credit from the Spanish bank so they can just like spend like crazy. Um, so- soccer is such a weird sport. First of all, like, where do you watch soccer? I I know that on Fox they carry some big EPL games every now and then, but where are, I you? Have, are you streaming it? I have a password to like a Verizon account that I've have had uh, for a while because it, a friend gave it to me. So I just go on NBC Sports, and they'll usually broadcast major soccer games among the major teams and Tottenham's a major team. So usually I can watch it there. Oh, gotcha. And uh, the other weird thing about soccer is that like all American sports, all professional American sports have a season and there's the time like we're used to like there being a time when like you don't have baseball and then there's a time when you do have baseball. But it seems like internet, like especially like European professional soccer is like, it's pretty much never ends. It just, cause I thought that, you know, I remember the champions league thing, which is sort of like a bit like the super bowl. I mean, roughly speaking, the sort of culminating event, but then they just go right back into just <laughs> playing soccer again. And it's like, 
where you know suddenly like you know it's what what happens is it like just an infinite loop or what the fuck no the the players do have the summer off but when there's a world cup or a a european championship like a, a major international tournament that happens in the summer uh at least the best players definitely do not get time off plus they have international friendlies a uh, world cup qualifiers so um the the club season starts i think sometime in the fall maybe like late september and then ends around june-ish uh but i mean that that's one of the com- major complaints that managers and players have is that yeah it is like a 365 days a year schedule and the best players especially ones from places like asia and africa who are far away from europe like uh, Son Heung-min, uh Sadio Mane, all these players, they have to travel so much. And obviously the, the clubs, who are the ones paying them a lot of money, are very angry when they have to go like 5,000 miles, especially to play a worthless friendly. But of course, from the national manager's point of view, even those relatively worthless games, he has to win or else he'll get fired. So it's it just yeah there there are too many games yeah like like every every a lot of sports suffer from this but definitely soccer too many games too much traveling it's too and and just it, so many there's just so there's just so much structure to the game like in terms of like um you know the national being there being like a national league there being sort of like a European wide league uh just just in the way you get like you know um like demoted and all this stuff and then just the sheer number of like special one-off tournaments and cups that happen and all this shit it's Most just a totally, totally different useless. level of complexity compared to like you know the nfl or something yeah but it, in its way it 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 makes sense it, it works out beautifully i think because like every team kind of has something to play for even if you're not best of the best True. that's the problem yeah. with a lot of american sports especially something like basketball it's like if you're not contending for a championship then what the hell are you playing for uh, but you know, like a worthless, like the Carabao Cup that any elite English team will not care about. That actually means something to maybe like a mid-table team who, who you know, do well by their standards, turn in a profit every year and stuff. But for them to have a trophy, uh, it means something. And because it has some history, um, like the FA Cup, which is generally also regarded as kind of worthless, but still, uh, especially for a team that's not like a Champions League caliber team, it does mean a lot. Uh, and if, say, the NBA try to create, like, the Kobe Bryant Cup right now... <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, rest in peace, Kobe, obviously, but rest in peace, I just Kobe. learned that they named the All-Star MVP after Kobe Bryant. I thought that was such an insult. Nobody cares about the All-Star MVP. <laughs> All-Star MVP? Yeah, who of cares? The MVP of the All-Star game. Where yeah, people so barely stupid. they they some some players play in jeans they don't like the shit about that game. <laughs> jeans and flip flops because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you, think you know the, what uh, you know you know one reason why I think maybe Americans don't love soccer is like if we were to take MLS seriously like we would have to accept that we're kind of a backwater uh, yeah and um, I mean MLS to me is like it's not that bad it's don't you think it's worth rooting for to some extent like it's it's a surprisingly good. Like league, given that it's in like located in the absolute soccer backwater of the world, and like we just won't, maybe maybe we won't do it just because like we kind of know like we have to accept the truth of like in global sport we're not really that relevant, and in some ways it's like the Oscars, you know, it's like kind of like 
realizing that there's way more to what's going on in the world. Like, if you open your eyes to soccer, you kind of have to open your eyes to America's irrelevance. And I think maybe that's why we won't really embrace it as a professional sport. Not quite the yeah, same. Here, here, here's a funny story. So there's a player named uh, Javier Hernandez. Also, um, most, uh, most people know him as Chicharito. Very good player. Uh, Mexico's all-time leading scorer. He had a great career at Manchester United. Now he's kind of older, so he's coming to the MLS. And I think in his one of his press conferences, he said something about... Uh, and he claimed he was mistranslated, but it might have been more of a Freudian slip. He talked about a very tearful conversation he had with his parents about retiring. <laughs> he wasn't retiring. He was coming to the MLS. Which is retiring. The MLS... And the MLS is very conscious of the fact that most of the elite players consider them a retirement league where you can cash in a nice paycheck. You get to live in New York or L.A. or Chicago, D.C. Or, or hell, maybe they'd even settle for Portland, whatever. Uh, you know, pressure's off. You know, you know the press in, in Europe, especially uh, the U.K., is just, just utter inhumane trash. So it's like here, they can just... You know, they can just relax. Uh, you know, it's kind of almost like be back in their, their boyhood years when they're just playing for fun, except they're getting paid millions. So, <laughs> a lot of people well, it means you're not, you know, you, just, you passed your prime, bro. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's, it is the truth, though. And yeah. I remember someone had passed around that article saying, like, one of the reasons American soccer, so like, um, Amer- uh, US soccer, uh, is terrible is because we don't like recruit enough out of like Latino leagues, and yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a rich white college boy sport, which yeah. is not the best uh, a, a pool to draw. Yeah, because where I where from. I grew up, soccer is actually a pretty big sport. Um, you know, for like rich high schools and stuff, like they're you know, and and a lot of those players get recruited in NCAA's, etc. And um, pretty high level area for soccer. Uh, Freddie Adu went to my school, uh, uh-huh. but but some of my friends who were serious about soccer and played at the collegiate level, though I don't think Div one they played like either Div two or some played clubs club sports, but they would like on the when you know when they came back home and stuff, they would play these pickup games with like these semi pro Latino teams that were like oh, I, be- I bet they got crushed. they got crushed, dude. Like and they were talking <laughs> yes, about like they're, they're like forty year old men on these teams. <laughs> and like just fucking demolished. And then they would they I remember I was I would uh this one time my friend was like just raging. He was like, These fucking they just they fucking throw out like they don't even know the rules. Because <laughs> they, they just got totally out muscled and outworked and, and they were not used to that kind of play before. Um but it was all like these guys that were like probably working like labor, you know, just regular laboring jobs and stuff, and then on the weekends uh, they got picked up by like local businesses, like local grocery stores and stuff would sponsor these semi-pro teams and they probably got paid like minimal amounts of money to go p- destroy these white suburban kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. so so when I read that article, I was like, oh, I can, I can, uh, I, can I, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, for anyway. sure. Yeah. All right. We're a little over an hour. So uh, any any other things you want to talk about? No, I've been I've been in a pretty I'm pretty chill, man. I feel like I got a lot of sh- you know shit off my chest in the last few pods, so it was good just chatting, man. Yeah, for a miscellaneous, rather unplanned pod, I thought we had some quite coherent thoughts, so I'm happy. What? That's happy not that. surprising, man. We're coherent people. 
<laughs> right. that, that should be our tagline escape from plan a we're coherent surprisingly coherent yeah all right all right good cool. talking to you teen all right all right uh thanks for tuning in everybody join us next time we're on so have a great day everyone bye all bye.